over 30 Heaven's Gate members gone. Whether or not they were pushed to take their own lives, we may never know. The members of Heaven's Gate lived their lives following two leaders, who introduced them to an ideology where Christianity met aliens and UFOs. Join us as we dive into the journey of how Heaven's Gate created their way of life, and how it became deadly. This episode discusses suicide, a sensitive topic for many. Discretion is advised. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Before we start this episode, I want to give some contextual information regarding cults in general. So the cult definition is a little bit different for every cult. Every cult is going to have their own belief, but most of them share similar characteristics. They almost always have a charismatic leader or leaders that members look up to and that guide them throughout their beliefs and help to shape them as a group of a whole. They always have authoritarian control where the people in the cult often feel incapable of living a life outside of being a part of a group, which that cult provides for them. Oftentimes it goes hand in hand with worshiping that charismatic leader that we just mentioned. They always have extremist beliefs outside of the norm. So because of this, they're unable to question these beliefs without fear of punishment from the leader or other members, which creates this vicious cycle of even if they get into this cult, a lot of times it's really hard to leave. And they also are going to be facing social isolation, where current members of the cult often work to isolate the new members from others in order to ingrain their ideas and their beliefs into these new members and really make them feel like the only people that they have in their circle are fellow members. There are about four main types of cults as well. There's going to be doomsday cults, which prepare for the end of the world, Political cults, which have extreme beliefs by either the left or the right, which then morph into the other previously mentioned characteristics of a cult, so having a charismatic leader, social isolation, and having authoritarian control. There's also religious cults, which are based on spiritual beliefs and then have some sort of extreme version of either a long-standing religion, so an outspurt of Christianity, or an outspurt of another type of belief. And there's also religious cults where they have entirely new ideologies and beliefs that are separate from any previous long-standing religions. And finally, there's also sex cults. All cults may have some sort of sexual aspect to them, um, but sex cults solely focus on sexual relations. Today we will be discussing Heaven's Gate Cult, which operated within the U.S. between the 70s and late 90s. Today, there are allegedly four remaining followers, which we will cover later in this episode. Heaven's Gate was founded on principles of free will, and this cult actually allowed their members to leave at any time, and they would be welcomed back if they wanted to come back, which is not normal for cults. They believed that followers could transform themselves into immortal beings by rejecting their human nature, 
This would allow them to enter heaven or the next level and ascend into heaven aboard a UFO. Later, we will see a shift in beliefs where they see their human bodies as a vessel of sorts for the soul and not necessarily their true form. This meant that they must die to ascend into the next level and that their consciousness would come with them. They believed that they came from distant space and that would translate to traditional biblical literature um, as the kingdom of heaven. All of those who did not believe in this ideology, as in if you and I did not believe in the teachings of heaven's gate, we would be left behind on earth to perish while they transcended into heaven via UFO. So they're alien Christians. Yes, so there are aspects of Christianity throughout. Um, And as I go over kind of the creation and the leaders, you'll see that um, kind of peek through. But they believed that extraterrestrial activity was connected to heaven and Christianity in a way. So they're the actual people that live on Area 51. (laughs) They did not live on Area 51 as far as I'm concerned or (laughs) have research, but um, yeah, they had some, you'll you'll see connections to Star Trek, you'll see connections to the Bible. It's an interesting intersect of information. So as we know, most cults have one very charismatic leader. However, Heaven's Gate was founded by two people. Marshall Applewhite was born in 1932, and he was the son of a Presbyterian minister, and he actually served in the army. He studied biblical prophecy and briefly considered being a minister before becoming a music teacher. He was married and had two children with his wife, but then got divorced when he allegedly had an inappropriate relationship with a male student at the University of Alabama. At the University of Alabama, he was a music teacher, and so when he left the University of Alabama, he went on to continue teaching music at the University of St. Thomas in Texas. At this time, he was still really struggling with his sexuality, um, and he actually agreed to leave um, the University of St. Thomas Um, for mental health reasons, but it's not unlikely that he may have had another inappropriate relationship with a student at the time. Like, where they strongly ask him, like, you should leave now. Right. And like I said, he was struggling with his sexuality. He is fresh out of a divorce, and it did happen at the University of Alabama. So that's why people say that it's not unlikely that that would have occurred. Then comes into the picture Bonnie Nettles. Bonnie was born in 1927, also in Texas, and was raised in a Baptist family, but eventually moved away from the religion into her adulthood. She became a registered nurse, and she got married in 1949 and eventually had four children with her husband. The marriage, however, ended in 1972 following some weird activity from Bonnie, Um, She began attempting to contact dead spirits and believed that a 19th century monk named Brother Francis was communicating with her and giving her instructions for her life through these seances. Okay. Yeah. We all had imaginary friends growing up. It's okay. (laughs) 
when this started, I could see why her husband started to get alarmed. At the same time, she was often seeking out advice from fortune tellers. And during one of her visits, she was told that she would soon meet a tall, mysterious man with fair skin and light hair. And I'm such a hater, but like, that's so generic. It is very generic, but I think that fortune tellers, no, I'm also a hater on fortune tellers, but I think (laughs) that they know that the people that come to them interpret what they say to like match what they're looking for in a way. Yeah. So like, oh, one day you're going to meet a skinny blonde girl. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm going to see one on the on the street probably tomorrow, like walking to get coffee. Yeah. Yeah. In 1972, both Bonnie and Marshall were 40 years old. And there's some confusion regarding how the two finally meet. Nettles was working as a nurse and Applewhite was apparently visiting a friend who was hospitalized when Nettles walked into the room. According to Applewhite, the two were immediately connected upon meeting, almost as if it was fate, and his recounts of this interaction were very, like, a film in a way, like, saying they locked eyes, that it was it was fate, he knew that he was, like, connected to this person, um, but this is typical for Applewhite, as he was known um, to morph stories and have exaggerations and embellishments, um, And there's another report that Applewhite was also having heart problems around the time that he was leaving St. Thomas and that the nurse who cared for him was Nettles and that's how they met. So ultimately, it's kind of unclear exactly what happened, but regardless, the both of them felt a very strong connection upon meeting. And Nettles later did a reading for Applewhite which prompted them to fall into their friendship. And I will note that this friendship is never more than platonic. Um, They're just, like, besties at this point. That's so interesting. Applewhite claimed that he felt like he knew her in a past life and even says that he saw her face transform into the 19th century monk who Nettles said guided her through her decision-making in life. (laughs) literally by like i know that you say that they're just platonic but imagine him kissing her and her face transforms into this 19th century monk i know i i want to preface that these people believe these things very deeply and i'm in no way trying to like mock them but it is a very interesting and almost funny way of looking at things when you don't have the same beliefs as someone um but yes he did he did think that her face transformed into a 19th century monk that's just not normal i would just be terrified personally right like i would be like um i need to go make sure i don't have a brain tumor that was weird or that somebody didn't drug me like yes i totally believe in doppelgangers But if a female that is in her 40s is transforming into an old monk, like, literally, what did someone put in my dress? So strange. Um, Soon after they met, um, Nettles actually divorced her husband to travel with Applewhite um, and kind of figure out 
what this like feeling of feeling like they were meant to know each other really meant. So she left behind her husband and her four kids and starts traveling around with Applewhite. No, babe, we're just friends, I promise. I know, it's so strange. It's so strange. They believed that there were followers out there that the two were meant to teach together and have follow them. And that it was all predestined and it was their job to help them reach their next level of humanity. They believed that spirits inhabited the bodies of aliens and were delivered to Earth before finding human bodies as a host. And that was the case for them as well. So they set out throughout the Southwest, working small jobs to survive, looking for followers, and... They still don't have followers at this time, so they're really just trying to like put together really what their ideology is at this time. They decided that the two of them were the end game individuals mentioned in the book of Revelations in the Bible, and they thought that they would be killed or assassinated and taken away in what the Bible describes of a cloud, but what they interpreted as a spaceship. So this was like the founding ideology of their beliefs that they are the two that are meant to be here and spread the word. I think it takes a lot in a person to think that they are the prophecy within the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see the biblical themes continue to manifest throughout their time together um and it gets more intense but it it's unsure how this like how you got from just meeting somebody in a hospital room to you guys were sent or you're part of a prophecy from the bible like that's a huge jump to me in my eyes yeah like people do believe in love at first sight and it's like oh my gosh i feel like i've known you forever but I don't feel like I've known anyone. Like, I don't know. Whenever I've attended church, it's not, yeah, they wrote that about me, dog. Yeah. Um, so they knew that the time would eventually come where they would need to be killed or assassinated and taken away on the spaceship. Um, but they didn't know when. And they just figured that they would be told this information as they needed to know it. So the earliest recruitment was in Studio City, Los Angeles. And a woman actually allowed them to use her home. And it was reported that 80 people were interested and were at this recruitment event in this woman's home. I think that says a lot, honestly, because this isn't the time of like social media and just readily being able to put so many things online and find your niche that way. So like, I feel like this is more word of mouth, like Mm -hmm. that this event is happening and more so just like people within the studio city area. So 80 people is, I think a huge number. Yeah. No, they were out there like spreading the word. And um, it's important to note that in these early days that they weren't disclosing the fact that they believed they might have to die in order to be 
carried on to these UFOs. So they were kind of leaving that out pretty tactfully. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I don't know if we will ever know, but I can assume that it might have been. And after this early recruitment in LA, about two dozen people were prepared to travel with them um, to Oregon for more recruitment. So they leave LA and they go to Oregon. And at this point, it was at this point and throughout the rest of the lifespan of this cult, it's rare to see Nettles talking at these events. Applewhite was a teacher and he had a lot of experience in public speaking. So I think that he kind of took on that role of being more of the face of the cult where Nettles was taking more on in advising on beliefs and ideology and what they wanted to enforce. This being the early 70s, there was a lot going on in America that would warrant young people wanting to find a place to fit in, um, especially if it included UFOs. There's a lot of talk throughout the 70s about UFOs. Um, So when they arrive in Oregon, they begin spreading out flyers about UFOs and holding meetings at hotels to recruit voyagers. Um, And this flyer is kind of a beige piece of paper with bold letters that say UFOs and then underneath there's bullets that say why they are here, who who they have come for, and when will they leave. And it goes on to give a brief explanation of what they believe in this group and to basically say if you've ever entertained the idea that there might be a real physical level in space beyond of the Earth's physical bounds that you should attend this meeting and then they write in the date and the location the meeting in oregon actually gained 34 followers which was a lot of course there's going to be people that attend that don't believe Um, these meetings lasted around two hours and that's a really short time span to be able to gain 34 people to just pack up and leave with you and follow you blindly essentially into these beliefs And it created a public outcry when so many people left their families in this small town to join this random couple, this guy and girl, to go believe and practice shedding their humanity to be able to ascend with UFOs. The 34 people in two hours definitely shows how charismatic Applewhite is. And it's I completely understand why he was the one that was speaking the most because you need someone that's so good at public speaking to bring people in. No one's going to listen to you if you're awful at public speaking. Like, No, nobody's going to pay any attention. So him and Especially ha- when you're talking about a topic like this, which is hard to convince people on, you need it. And I think it also shows how much they truly believed within themselves because... I can't imagine trying to sell a topic that intensely and passionately. So passionately. Like they fully believed this, like with their whole beings, that they were like meant to be there and meant to spread this word. And they were saving people from an Armageddon, like end of the world type situation. Um, So they were very passionate about this. But when the public began to 
be upset with how many people were leaving to follow them. Um, they decided to end their first round of recruitment in 1976, and at this time they had around 200 members. Um, but this would dwindle down based on how devoted the individuals were. Um, some people ended up leaving on their own. Um, some people were asked to leave, but it was never harsh. This is what makes them so different is Nettles and Applewhite were never ones to punish their followers or be mad if they left or anything like that. They secluded themselves in the wilderness in Wyoming to teach members how to leave behind their human nature, and they did this by having members not speak for days and to meditate to the sound of tuning forks, um, and like I said, no one was forced to stay. The two refined their teachings over the years, having their followers call them T and Doe, like on the musical scale, so T was Nettles and Doe was Applewhite. I'm just thinking Sound of the Wind. Is it good? Mm-hmm. They called? actually... Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, the two of, of them music. really actually liked... It's reported that they liked that um, movie, so I think that's probably where they got it from. Um, so as far as their teachings go, they would have their followers go on an intense juice cleanse for months in order to cleanse their body of human nature. Um, they were not allowed to engage in sexual activity. They weren't even allowed to hug others. They were given new names, all ending with the same letters, O-D-Y. Um, and that was often a form of their previous name or a describing characteristic. Um, and then, in addition, the members got identical haircuts. They were cut very short bowl-like cuts and wore identical identical clothing to get rid of gender so if you were to see them from afar they would look like they were all boys because it was like baggy clothing really short hair they believed that gender was not something that existed within their beings and their higher self so they wanted to get rid of it in addition, there was rules for everything that included sleeping. They slept on different clockwork times, um, cooking, and every part of their life had a protocol that had to be followed. So when you got up in the morning, you know, which way you put your socks on and how you made your pancakes and when you got to go to sleep, it was very, very routine. They were assigned partners who they were unlikely to find attractive um, and these partners would do everything with them, so you're never doing a task alone, and they often switch partners a lot, and they would tell on each other if they were being too human, but like I said, there was never really any bad punishments, so ultimately this kind of just, it created a healthy competition between them to see who could shed their humanness the most. So essentially... Nettles and Applewhite are controlling every aspect of their member of the members' lives. The controlling of the lives, and I feel like honestly, everything that they are doing is just very typical of a cult. And we like it's shown many, many times. What is really interesting, though, I think, is the fact that they were able to leave. And I feel like that's another like mind trick, right. though, in the sense that like. Mm -hmm. 
oh, you can leave any time. And then people are like, well, I have a family here. Like, I now have this routine. I can't really go back home. Right. It's obviously not bad if they are letting me leave and there's no punishments. There's no this. There's no that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't think when you're completely controlled. Right. It's like they were so busy during the day that they weren't even given a second to be like, wait, this is weird or this, I don't believe in this or I don't want to do this anymore. And if they were to leave, they're turning around to face their family and friends that they left and explain themselves, which might not have been something that they wanted to do. Um, And during this time of all of this control and really refining what they believed in and their practices and teachings, um, Nettles and Applewhite actually predicted many times that their UFO was coming to get them, but they were wrong. But many of their members still stayed. Like, obviously, a UFO did not come down from the sky and pick them up. And Applewhite and Nettles just kind of admitted, like, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I got the wrong information. And all of their members still stayed, which was like their one driving factor for having believers was that they were supposed to be connected to this like higher being that was letting them know when somebody was coming to get them from earth the jonestown cult leader he also had said several times that like they were all going to die and then when they didn't he was like oh it's because i saved you so i'm surprised that they even admitted that they were wrong and not just like oh it's because i saved you well remember at this point the Members don't think that they have to die to ascend to the UFO. So it's not necessarily them trying to be like, oh, I saved you. They just flat out were kind of like, hey, I was wrong. And in that sense, as leaders of this cult, they're kind of going against the typical characteristics that I listed at the beginning, where they're allowing people to leave and they're being very transparent and honest with their members in the beginning, which I think does build a sense of rapport and trust in their members. Apple White, like I said, looked to Nettles for guidance on the cult's founding principles. And in 1983, Nettles had a surgery to have one of her eyes removed due to cancer, which was spreading throughout her whole body. But when the doctors told her that her cancer was spreading, she was like, no, it's not. I don't need treatment. I'm here to spread my beliefs. I'm going to be picked up by this UFO. It's not spreading throughout my whole body and just kind of left. But unfortunately, in 1985, she did end up dying of liver cancer and there was no funeral. And the members of the cult actually didn't tell her previous family until nine months later after she had died. This challenge. It's so sad. She has four kids. Four kids and a previous husband that they just didn't inform for nine months and they got absolutely no closure. However, her death challenged the main beliefs of the group to the core and completely changed the idea that they would be able to be alive when they ascended. Um, So they revised their beliefs basically to fit to what happened to Nettles because she was such a leader and she died before a UFO came to get them all. They basically, Applewhite said that... Nettles was God the Father. Her spirit was God the Father in Nettles' body. 
and he was the spirit of Jesus Christ, in that he was still talking to her. She died and left him there on earth so that she could guide him from the higher state of being to be able to get everybody else ready to ascend. And that if other members wanted to still talk to her, they had to go through him. So at this point, he's taking the biblical ideology one step further and saying, no, I'm the spirit of Jesus Christ and I'm guiding all of you. Well, thank goodness they didn't hook up because that'd be so awkward. So so awkward. So awkward. Um, At this point in time, this is when the members are starting to realize that They might now have to leave their bodies behind and they're now trying to adopt this new change in their beliefs that they truly are souls in some sort of vessel, which is their body. Applewhite approached a male member at some point after Nettle's death and let him know that his vessel was attracted to this other male member's vessel Um, because, you know, Their souls are separate. So they're saying, he's basically being like, hey, I'm attracted to you and I can't control this. So I think that all male members should partake in castration to move past the human desires and be able to reach the next level that we're meant to go to. That's definitely the most logical step to take. I 100% agree. Definitely, definitely the most logical step because remember, they're not allowed. Any man listening, castration is what you have to do. (laughs) Um, so a member who was actually one of the most noted to be one of the most devoted members of the group actually agreed to kind of be the test subject and another member who had previously been a nurse attempted to castrate him. Um, but he actually had to be taken to the hospital because there was some complications. Apple White was like freaking out, being like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The members didn't want to take him to the hospital because they thought Apple White was going to get arrested. But ultimately, he wasn't arrested. The doctor <laughs> saved him, the test subject, and they actually found a doctor that would castrate the rest of the men who wanted to be, which was a total of eight men. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was kind of a whole event. Um, and following this, a few like years later have gone by. A few members have left during this time with no real reason. Um, and they were never faced with any issues or Apple White getting mad or other members going after them. Um, and... At this point, the group is beginning to believe that the end of the earth could be near and they thought that it was time to start reaching out again. They hadn't really recruited since that original time um, where Nettles and Applewhite were going through um, California and Oregon. So they decided to utilize the internet. Some of the members had knowledge to be able to create a web page and they started releasing their messages again in the 90s and they let everybody know that civilization was coming to an end now this is one of the first times that a cult utilized the internet which is kind of a big deal they chatted with other people in forums apple white made several videos which are still out there today um, and he has very wide wide eyes he's always been described that way 
um, and just talking very passionately about what he believes in. Um, they wrote articles and books and published them on their website. Um, and they gained some new members this way. And they even had some ex-members return. And they were welcomed with open arms. But because they were putting this out for everyone to see, they were judged so hard. They had so many haters. And it it's just like you would think of it today. It was very bad. Um, a lot of them thought they were crazy. And Applewhite took this as a sign that the end was coming. And they saw it on a war. They saw it as a war on free thinking and religious groups. And so they... We're like, okay, UFO is coming to get us soon. All these people are going against us. It's about our time to go. And they started referring to themselves as the away team, similar to Star Trek, a favorite movie of a lot of the members as it related to extraterrestrial activity and their beliefs. In 1994, Applewhite called a meeting to discuss suicide as a way to reach the next level. At this point, five members left, which, again, was a sweet goodbye. A lot of the members were crying. Applewhite even gave them money, I think, and, like, put them on their way. Again, never mad, but more of, like, sad that they so couldn't help them wild. because they believed in it so much that they were really saving themselves and wanted to save others. Um, so at this point, Applewhite is like, hey, guys. We're going to have to die in order to get on the UFO. And we saw this with nettles. I think the easiest, most nonviolent way to do it is through poison and food. And we'll just have to really like keep an eye out and figure out exactly when the UFO is coming so that we can really plan it. In 1995, the following year, the Hale-Bopp comet was discovered. The comet gained more traction in the media and UFOs were more in daily conversation again. And this was perfect for Applewhite. And he told the group that Nettles had told him, hey, this comet is in connection to how you're getting home. So he's like, hey, guys, I talked to Nettles, had a little chat with her. Mm. Our home, we're going home. It's it's coming. So in 1996, the group rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe. During their stay, there was video footage that revealed that they were celebrating their coming ascension and they even decorated with Christmas decorations and gave gifts and were singing around and were cooking together. And they even visited places such as SeaWorld and Las Vegas. So they're really like kind of in a celebration mood at this point. In January 1997, the comet was visible to the naked eye. As part of its 4,000-year orbit to the sun, the comet Hale-Bopp passed near Earth in one of the most impressive astronomical events of the 20th century. In late March 1997, the Hale-Bopp reached its closest distance to Earth. Applewhite likely told his 20 followers that this was the best way to get to their higher form and the members started to film exit interviews to distribute to the rest of society in hopes that there would be more people to follow after they had ascended and most of these were mainly just sad that more people weren't joining them not sad that they were dying 
And one member even made the comment, quote, 39 to beam up in reference to Star Trek. And there's others laughing in the background. So this in no way was like them behind the camera, scared, freaking out. They were really excited and happy and at peace that this was happening. I'm still like baffled by all of the evidence, like the video evidence that we have of the recruitment process, the actual cult, their final days. Like in the 90s, there isn't like the same videotaping, all of that, especially use of internet that we have today. No. And even like in the early 2000s, terrorist groups using the internet for the recruiting like that everyone thought that that was next level and this is 10 years prior to that right and i'll be sure to include some of that video footage if i can on some of our social medias so that people listening can kind of get a glimpse of what that was like um it gave very much like home video style to me when i was watching them during my research On March 26, 1997, this is when 39 members of the group were killed. There's no way of knowing today if the members in the group were coerced into committing suicide or not. Some argue that this may be a case of murder. First, 15 individuals took their own lives, helped by those waiting to ascend by consuming applesauce or pudding that was mixed with poison um and some even took some like vodka afterwards and then another 15 people would be helped out by the seven that were remaining um and applewhite was likely in this second round of people and then there were a remaining seven who were helped by two and then the two took their own lives um knowing that the task was complete this took place over the course of three days So like I said, the poison was mixed into applesauce or pudding. They laid on their beds, all dressed in the same clothing. So Nike shoes, dark pants, and long dark shirts with an arm band on that read Heaven's Gate Away Team. They each had $5.75 in their pockets, which was their kind of inside joke to be the cost it is to ride a comet to heaven. And many had wedding rings on their finger in support of their leaders, Nettles and Applewhite, saying that they are pledged to them and that they kind of like support them and are kind of belonging to them. Once they were lying down, they put plastic bags on their heads as sort of a backup option um, to be able to ascend. And at least two members died of suffocation, meaning that the poison they ingested did not kill them. Three days after the mass suicide, the police were tipped off. There was one member who Applewhite agreed to have stay behind, and he was actually the one to tip off the police to the murder. Before calling the cops, he was was instructed by Applewhite to go to the house and film the scene that was left behind. When this hit the media, this is how most people found out that their family members that were in Heaven's Gate were dead. And at this point, some of them had been in the cult for 20 years so they hadn't spoken to them in a very long time and they're finding out on the news that their loved one was dead the media made this a laughing stock and 
Most people were just really surprised because a lot of the members were known to be highly intelligent and spiritual, but not necessarily deemed crazy to the point where they would have committed suicide for this belief. So many people question today if they had been manipulated into suicide, if they really truly believed this, if it was some sort of brainwash. However, we will never know. Today, the original Heaven's Gate website still exists and is run by a few remaining original members who also monitor an email mailbox. According to a Vice article, when they emailed the group, they were met with a reply that the group came to an end in 1997, but a few were instructed to stay behind and tend to the website. They still seemed to believe in the ideology and sent the Vice writer a link to their Vimeo, with hours of recording from Applewhite on the cult's beliefs and warning of the end of the planet. So basically just sending them links, being like, hey, here's all here's all the information on what we believe. And it's all the original things that were uploaded to their original website. The remaining original members claim that they have to turn down people daily about wanting to join the Heaven's Gate cult. And in 2020, the Heaven's Gate subreddit had about 600 followers, with one user stating that there are many people who want to find their place in the world and that Heaven's Gate was just different and that he would join if he could. Huh. With Heaven's Gate being one of the first cults to utilize the internet, it's not surprising to me that it still lives on in that space. However, it's unknown if it will ever truly leave the internet space again without a charismatic leader like Nettles and Applewhite. Next week on Uneasy, we'll be debuting our Valentine's Day special when most people are buying chocolates or candle at dinners for their partner, Stacey Shovick was hiring a hitman. Stacy appeared to be a typical 38-year-old woman. She was a wife and mother of two and held a well-paying job at her nearby hospital. Stacy, however, was not great at keeping relationships. She was on her fifth husband, Richard, and had already been cheating on him for quite some time. So, instead of divorcing him, she paid a Mr. Results to brutally murder him on Valentine's Night 2010. Tune in whenever you listen to your favorite podcasts. <laughs>